Hey everybody, we are super pleased to announce our new sponsor, Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. The goal? Power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes such as Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. And the best part? Marvel Strike Force just reached its six-year anniversary, which means free stuff when you sign up via our unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. Just complete each event, and you'll receive special awards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and every week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. If we have received a unique promo code for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Again, anybody uses that code, it is unique for all new users. Check it out. Once again, thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast with board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. Hey, this is Anthony. And this is episode 348. If you like Squid Games, try these other games. We'd like to thank all of our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode. All right, everyone. Thank you for being here this week. Uh, we're so glad to have you all join us. Please take a teal jumpsuit from the side, uh, get your number, and sit down as we talk about one of the cultural phenomenons of the world going on right now, which is Squid Games. Yeah, yeah. Who who saw that coming? Squid Game. <laughs> like, how many? How much? How many millions and millions of dollars do all of these different channels spend? I saw a thing saying that they spend, I think, two point four million dollars per episode for Squid Game. Right? There's nine episodes, and it's only like twenty sure. million dollars something Netflix spent for this show, and that it has had an impact for them of nine hundred million dollars, <laughs> like just in terms of their valuation and everything. Compare that to like Stranger Things is eight million an episode, or The Crown is ten million an episode. And it's like, you know what? It's the game part. It's the game part. You all didn't. We knew. We knew. You could have <laughs> asked us at any point. We would have helped you out, Netflix. But I guess you figured it out on your own. <laughs> yeah. And, and again, it, it is the game part, and we're so glad to bring you another game. Game. Games. I guess. Right. It's it's like the meta of all games. It's the murder Mario Kart party game <laughs> situation. Right. That uh, you never thought you would get, and yet here we are. So I will be your front man for this episode. And obviously, thanks to all of our Patreon backers who wear giant gold sparkly masks every day, that we're able to bring you this brand new episode in which we talk about board games 
that are just as fun, but not as lethal, right? Not as lethal. We, we, we agreed on that, right? That was, yeah. It's <laughs> definitely less. We can, we can confirm. <laughs> but we can't guarantee it's zero. That's we the thing I want to say. It's zero. <laughs> no, not these types of games. You don't know. You don't. Well, I don't know what goes on in your <laughs> living rooms. Maybe you know it's something we don't talk about anymore. It's true. <laughs> and, and again, I think it's one of those things where, like, you got to be careful because you never know what you get. So, uh, you know, you might be. Uh, I don't know. Let's say you have a triangle or a square or a circle. It seems like a PlayStation controller could be something incredibly worse, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, or I don't know, maybe we, Anthony, maybe you and I are technically the salesmen, right? We're, we're getting people to play, you know, games to kind of get started mm. and engage in the hobby. And then at some point, hey, you've been listening to these episodes. How would you like to make a ridiculous amount of money, right? Uh, uh, yeah. You know? So Ooh. are we, are we slapping anybody or? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. In a way, in a way. Have you seen Kickstarter? I mean, come on, man. Well, Is that... <laughs> that's true. So I think Kickstarter then might be the salesperson who's getting everybody's money. Well, I'm sticking as a front man because that's that's honestly where you want to be for most times. So if you have not seen the Squid Games, do not worry. We will not spoil Squid Games, but we will talk about it in a very general format, which is generally the idea that I don't know. The one spoiler I will have, which I, I guess is so super minor that you will not freak out because if anyone's seen any level of it, there's player elimination, right? I think we could say that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it, it yeah. <laughs> if you don't know that, I don't know what you're doing, right? So we're saying shapes, colors, games, and player elimination. There you go. That's that's as, as deep as we're going to get into it. So don't freak out. We're not going to ruin it for you. We want to make sure everyone has a good time. And you've listened to the podcast before. So we do not spoil things for our illustrious listeners and especially you, everybody out there. We don't want to do that. And again, if we did, our Patreons with their super shiny gold masks of different animals would come get us in the middle of the night. So we're definitely not doing that. So no. <laughs> uh, you are completely safe for the time being. But again, we might convince you to buy a board game or two unintentionally. I mean, I don't, I don't know how that keeps happening, but it's mostly me buying games, but you know, yeah. who knows? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I only have myself to blame, but nonetheless, I have left the games, got pulled back in and here we are. So that will be our feature review. So stick with us as we talk about the greatest in those player elimination games that we think that you're going to want to get to the table because as Squid Games continues to blow up big time, you're probably going to get a lot of friends, whether they're gamers or not, ask you, hey, what do you have that's kind of like that? Well, we got the games for you. But Anthony, before we go into that, obviously Essence Spiel has wrapped up, so hopefully everyone had a great time there. Hopefully everyone was like super, super safe, like super safe. And obviously, we'll get to learn more about those games and the big releases as the next days and weeks comes out. So we'll talk a little bit about that as time goes on. But Anthony, there's something that's even more important. All of our great friends out there in those teal jumpsuits. What's our question of the week? All right. Question of the week this week. Uh, who's your board game rival? That yeah. one person you face yeah. off against the most or <laughs> most want to beat when you play. Right, so it's true. it might be might be related to our theme today. No spoilers, no spoilers, um, man. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So we got a lot of good answers here. Uh, some some of them are pretty pretty funny. Uh, Corey chimes in, says, Tim, not a rival, but definitely the person I play against the most and still enjoy beating every time, even if it's only for second place. Tim nice. regularly responds to all of our questions. Of course, Tim jumped in and responded to Corey's response. <laughs> said, well said. I may not beat the winner, but need to at least beat you. Uh, That's great. I, I think we've, we've all got that one person like, I don't care if I win, but you are going down. <laughs> Uh, Fantastic. Matt says it's his son, board game genius, can't beat him. So nice. Get smart kid there, Matt. Very uh, cool. John says Chronosis, which is the solo bot for Anachrony, I believe. So <laughs> that is go. that is true. Yep. Got some solo bots going on out there. Um Andre says, I'm playing now for more than eight years, the same group. And at this point, I am arch enemy usually, but it depends on a lot who's game we play as they will be more familiar with it initially so he's the arch enemy of everybody else is what he's saying <laughs> gotcha <laughs> it's good when you know that um david says again another solo one he says right mind is his solo opponent and then left field is as himself so he's he's facing himself left mind versus right mind um <laughs> the age-old battle between the two of us um Martin says the the person I play with the most is my wife, so I want to be careful calling her my rival. Good call, Martin. Uh, but I can't <laughs> wait for the day I can match her in Azul Summer Pavilion. She always whoops me in that one, among all the other nice. games we play together. Um, Stephanie and Eric both also wrote in and said that their partners were their rivals. I love that it's like the person you play with most is, is your partner, typically, and they're like, yeah, I got to beat them. <laughs> <laughs> and it all brings us closer together. So uh, there you go. Lots of good ones. I don't know that I have a rival. Like Margaret and I don't play much. Although when we do, she she's she talks a lot of smack. So <laughs> I don't know. I'm her rival. That's for sure. <laughs> um, uh, what about you, man? Again, it's it's obviously hard to say because like sometimes you do have a rival that makes you better just when you play games with them. Sometimes you have an arch nemesis who like when you sit down at the table, it's like you, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I think the only other person I can think of all the top has is just people play green. I got to play green. <laughs> you, play green. <laughs> you have an arch nemesis then. So, uh, yeah. yeah, other than the other than other green players where I now have to play another color and that becomes a thing. Yes, it's definitely uh it's, it's definitely a good time and you should, and you know, those are the best game moments. It's definitely when you get down to the table, there's so much fun. So yeah. That's why we're friends, man. Cause I was like, fine, you can have green. I don't want to be your arch nemesis. <laughs> um, well, that's how, you know, you like green. you have a game group. You're like, can we play together? Hold on a second. What color are you playing? <laughs> I just need to know if this group's going to work. And, and I, we worked yeah. it out. So yeah, that's a good time. But uh, yeah, no, that's fantastic. So uh big shout out and thanks to all of the rivals and arch nemesis that plays with, you know, all of our listeners out there because you all make the games great. And thanks for joining us this week. All right, everyone. So that's what's going on with our listeners and obviously our viewers. Because if you are now watching this on YouTube, and please do subscribe to us because we're doing videos, which is weird for us. So please watch. <laughs> watch the weirdness that is occurring on your YouTube screen. Or at the very least, subscribe. Because the more people we can get into board game, the more Arch Nemesis we'll have in the future. And honestly, if you watch Squid Games, you need a lot of them because they run out very quickly. <laughs> so, yes. 
So uh, follow us on all of the social medias, Facebook and Twitter are best for the question of the week, but you can find us everywhere on BoardGamersAnonymous.com, a fantastic website and every way possibly to connect to us. All right, Anthony, so that's what's going on with our listeners. Let's get on to the games that we want to get to the table. Let's talk about our acquisition disorders. All right, I got a really simple one this week. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. sequel to a little card game that I have, that uh, was here, it's around here somewhere, uh, called Orchard. It's a nine-card mm-hmm. solitaire game. This Ooh. is Grove, also a nine-card solitaire game, the sequel to <laughs> Orchard. Uh, it's on Kickstarter right now. So the basic idea for both of these games is you have a deck of 18 cards. Uh, you're just going to use nine of them to play through. And you overlap them in various ways. And as you overlap them, you place dice on top of the overlapping symbols, um, which have to match in color. And the dice increase in value every time you do that. And so you're trying to get all the dice as high as you can to get the most points possible. Um, so Orchard is pretty much just that. Grove adds a few things, right? So you have um, uh, new wildcard elements with the glades, which are like blank spaces on your cards that allow you to do different things. You have a squirrel that allows you to break the rules once as you go through and overlap colors that don't match. Uh, but the squirrel will then steal points from you if they're close to things that they can steal. Uh, you can also go above 10, which is like the highest that the dice have. There's like a little wheelbarrow that you get up to 15 with um there are recipe challenges on the backs of the cards with different like, scoring conditions uh which i think the original had as well but these are obviously different uh for different reasons so it's it just it's tweaking and adjusting the rules if you remember the kickstarter recently for agropolis which was mm-hmm. the sequel to sprawlopolis it's kind of like that they're like we're taking this core uh mechanic that everybody liked and it worked and it was a nice easy solo game and we're adding some stuff to it and changing it just a little bit for people who either didn't get the first one or want more of this maybe they burnt out on the original because you played it a thousand times because each game takes five minutes (laughs) um so yeah it's it's very quick it's light um orchard is a lot of fun i i do prefer sprawlopolis because it's a little more brain burning but occasionally when I just don't have the energy for that, Orchard's very nice as well. Um, both of them just 18 cards. The difference is with these, there's dice as well. So the box is a little bit bigger. It, you know, it couldn't be a button shy game because it has to have dice. So <laughs> this is on Kickstarter right now. It's $15 uh, and it will not ship until June of next year. So, you know, I think that's most Kickstarters right now are super delayed because they don't know yeah. when the ships are going to run. Like, I can't imagine it would take that long to print this thing, but who knows when they'll get it if they're, you know, producing overseas. Um, so yeah, I recommend checking it out. If you like solo games, it is a purely solo game. So that, you know, there's no two player mode, like Sprawlopolis even has a two player mode. This does not, uh, I don't believe. And, but if you like that, if you like Palm Island, if you like Sprawlopolis, if you like any of the other button shy games, um, check out Grove. It's on Kickstarter, uh, for like another three weeks. So you got lots of time. That's cool. Yeah, no, I like I like I like the simplicity of the game, and I actually like the dice. The dice are pretty cool mm-hmm. in this game. It's got some some nice components in the way it kind of plays together. And I, again, you mentioned about the solo versus the two player or the multiple player kind of thing. I almost feel like, and again, I have no research to go with this, and maybe you obviously your experience, you know, makes you the expert at this. But like, I feel like when they design a game to be a solo game, it's the best solo game there can be or is. It's when you have to try to incorporate these co-op versions 
as solo games or like, oh, it plays like one to four. Like, mm, does it really though? Does it really play <laughs> as a good solo game? Or is it meant to be played with more players and you happen to be able to play it with a bot? Like, I like the idea of like a solo game being a solo game. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right in terms of like core mechanics. Like it's going to be the most streamlined possible version. It's funny though, yeah. because like if you took my top 25 solo games, most of them are multiplayer games with solo modes. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of those are really just solo. Like Mage Knight, it says mm-hmm. one to four, but that's a one to two player game. And the vast majority <laughs> of people who play it just play it solo. Uh, so I don't know. Um, but in the case of like these small box games like this, 100%. Like I've only played Sprawlopolis two players once. And that was when somebody mm-hmm. showed it to me. And I've played it like 150 times solo. I've I don't want to play it two players. I have other two player games that are actual two player games. Why would I play that with two yeah. Um And, you know, these little solo only games like Grove, I know the puzzle's designed to be this way and it's fun for that reason. Yeah. So definitely recommend it if you like solo games and small stuff like this. If not, I don't know why you're listening to anything I'm saying right now because <laughs> this is not for you. <laughs> no, I think it's, it's, it's great. And again, it's one of those ideas that, you know, you could pick this game up relatively inexpensive and get to play it. So awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I want to talk about uh, a game or I guess probably better to say like <laughs> A game inside a game, because really what this Kickstarter back is, is Spielbox 2022 English edition. It's the board game magazine. So it's it's a game magazine about games, and it's specifically about the games that we play. And seven times a year, the magazine delivers game reviews, news, reports, and obviously a number of different suggestions. But it's not about the magazine, it's about the <laughs> the games that come in the magazine. Don't tell any. Don't tell them that, or they'll stop selling it. So, again, Spielbox has been around for a long time. Great magazine, independent journalism, like real independent journalism, not like oh, I'm previewing a Kickstarter and I got paid to do that, and here's a full review that I did not get paid for. Like these people are actually independent game reviewers, like. These are like solid, great written pieces that you can kind of, you know, pour through. Um, Obviously, the great artwork that's in board games are on here and a lot of different ways to kind of look at games. But again, it's about the promos. And in fact, sometimes the little mini games that actually come in this game magazine. So right now you have the opportunity through Kickstarter to back a print version and or digital version. Obviously, digital version, you're not getting the the promos that come along with it. And currently the promos are actually pretty cool. So I don't know. I think Anthony and I happen to be big fans of uh, Lost Ruins of Arnak and Underwater Cities. Those happen to be, you know, some of the promos that came out recently. And if you are like us, we have spent a ridiculous amount of money on promo, sometimes five or $10 for a promo. Don't let's not talk about it. Let's just continue on with the podcast. <laughs> but the magazine itself is still a very great value. This has been around since the eighties and you could pick this up for a number of different versions. You could just get the digital version so that you can read through all the articles. Um, it's relatively inexpensive, even though it is a highly niche kind of magazine, which means it does usually come at a higher cost than most like general things that you see on your newsstand. Shipping is a thing, but again, digital versions available. Uh, this has 26 days to go. It's already been back. This has been up once before, at least as far as I know. I don't know if it's been up three times before, but it's been at least up one time before. I kind of sat on it and it passed. 
I think, in fact, I might actually back this one, Anthony. Uh, I, I, I like the promos that are, are in these upcoming issues, and you could back up to two years. And honestly, I like getting some of independent reviews of board games, man. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, this is one of those things I'm like, we're not journalists. We don't pretend to be because we, we like, it's a lot of work, right? And it, you got to go out, you got to do research, you got to interview people, you got to like, there's sure. a lot of standards you need to follow to be legitimate journalists in any field. And mm-hmm. a lot of us are just hobbyists who do this in our spare time for fun. These people are doing it, you know, properly. And it's really cool. Uh, mm-hmm. I honestly, I don't know if I've ever read any of these because everyone I've ever seen it in German, but man, those promos. Yeah, those promos, promos are good. Yeah. Promos are good. So back it for the game inside a game, inside a magazine, or just back the digital version and enjoy it. It's in English, in English, so you could you could you know check that out. And it will wrap up on Sunday, November fourteenth. So you do have time. Check it out. Uh, I think you could actually even like go through a couple of like older review copies. So it actually gives you like what the magazine actually looks like, what it plays through. Obviously, some of it's ads, most of it's ads. But again, it's not one of those situations where it's like you're reading an article that actually is an ad. It's actually the reviews are reviews and the articles are articles and the advertisements are, are such. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Check it out. Spielbox 2021, 2022. And I guess even I guess you can even back further for that for 2023. All right, so those are the games that we wanted to table. And again, the games inside of a games inside of a game magazine. Anthony, let's talk about the games that hit the table. And let's let everyone know if those games are a buy, they should run out and pick those games up. If those games are a play, and they should sit down and play them. If those games are a dodge, and they should avoid them all costs. Or if, in fact, those games are the dreaded burn. And I don't know, maybe they didn't meet the timer. Maybe, you know, something broke. Or I don't know. Something happened that was really sad and twisted. And I don't know. Things happen, man. Things happen. Hey, Squid Games. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. Oh, man. Woo, darkness. Darkness descends. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, all right. So mine is a digital game. Uh, this is The Fox in the Forest, which just released for Steam today, October 18th, while we're recording this. Uh, it is from Direwolf Digital, who has done beautiful work on everything they've worked on, because they are, mm-hmm. uh, of course, famously the developers of... Uh, in board game format, Clank, but have also done several other, you know, digital implementations, um, including Root, which is my, like my favorite digital implementation, pretty much. Period. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I you know high hopes because the Fox in the Forest is a good game. This is the competitive version, not the duet version, which hopefully they will now do because they've done the, this initial one um, that came from uh, Renegade and Foxtrot. So the the goal of the game is it's a trick taking game. There's a relatively small deck of cards. You split it in half. You have two players and you go back and forth. There's three suits in the game and it's pretty standard trick-taking rules, but each card has a special ability to it. So some of them, like there's the Monarch, which forces the other side to play their highest or lowest card of that suit. Um, There's the Fox, which lets you change the Trump suit. Uh, There's the the Nine, which forces the other, which basically says the Nine beats everything except for another Nine. And so you're going back and forth, but the real trick to this game is that you don't want to win too many tricks, right? How you score depends on the number of tricks you get versus your opponent, but it's not just like one trick is one point, two tricks is two points. It's like zero to three tricks is one point and four to six tricks is like three points, I think. And if you can get in the sweet spot, 
between seven and nine tricks, you get six points. You can walk away with that. But if you go over nine, if you get 10 or more, if you just run the table against your opponent, then your opponent gets six points because you were greedy. So uh, the game really drives that home pretty well. It has a really nice tutorial. Uh, It's very cute. The presentation is beautiful. It's fantastic. There's not a lot of dynamic anything to happen. Like on screen, you have two fox statues. You draw your card to either side and it does a bunch of animations and things happen. Uh, But it ran smoothly. It's clean. The online play works really nicely. It comes with a bunch of challenges if you want to play solo against the AI. So the challenges are things like, you know, uh, get to X number of points before your opponent, which is how the game typically works. Or it changes the scoring um, of, you know, the basic scoring of the different um, tricks that you would take. Or it changes, like, the types of cards you're trying to win in those tricks. Um, So it makes it a little bit like the crew almost in terms of, like, trying to get these certain tricks out. But at the end of the day, you know, the Fox in the Forest was always just a very simple two-player trick-taking game. And the app presents that very cleanly and succinctly. And if you like trick-taking games in general, I think you will like this game. It's There are a few digital implementations of trick-taking games. There aren't many, and there's even fewer that you can play by yourself. <laughs> so uh, it's very good for that. Um, the other plus side is on Steam, it's only $7, I think, which for Steam is not a crazy price, right? Like if that was, I don't, I don't know what it is on the App Store, but, you know, a lot of these games go up on Steam and they're $20, $25 for a board game digital version. You're like, come on. I can't, <laughs> I can't justify that. It's good. You should play it, but I don't want to pay that much money. Um, but for this, if you like trick-taking games, if you like Fox in the Forest, seven bucks, I'd, I'd say it's a buy. Um, I would be much more excited, I think, if it was the duet version, or maybe if they add the duet version to this version of the game, I don't know, as DLC or something. DLC. That is yeah. one of my favorite games of all time, but this is still a very good game, and I, I do enjoy it quite a bit. So, And I forgot how much I liked it until I was playing this. So, again, Direwolf, they do amazing board game apps, and uh, Fox in the Forest is another one. Yeah, and again... I think we reviewed both of these games, Fox in the Forest and, and the Duet. And both of these are buys for me. I think they, they're buys for you as well, right, Anthony? The, just the games oh, yeah. themselves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have them both here. So Yeah, and I and I picked them up after I after I played them with you because I like them so much. And and again, the artwork is gorgeous, but also the implementation with the Steam is great. So I think that's that's really great too. And again, like you said, if this Again, I'm not sure what the app price is, as you said, for a Steam price. That's, you know, that's reasonable considering like Steam usually comes up and it's like 40, 50 bucks. And then like, I don't know, six months later, it's like $2 and you're like, damn it. You know, like if I just could have waited just a little bit longer, it'd been $2. But now this, this is something that is clearly, at least for me, as, as far as playing trick taking games are concerned. And as you said, the duet is absolutely one of my favorites. I love the duet. I think that's a great, you know, I hope, I sincerely hope they put that in as a DLC. They might release it as a separate game, but again, I think that's fantastic. Better than the competitive version, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. No, I just looked up the, uh, the, the app store version. It's $5. So, um, I think it's in line with, you know, Renegades games, which Direwolf does a lot of. So Lanterns, Mm -hmm. Lotus, Sagrada. I guess Sagrada is not them, but Atlantis, you know, Raiders of the North Sea. Those are all, I think, Direwolf Digital. And their pricing sure. is generally okay. It's not 
crazy high. Like even Raiders of the North Sea, which is like a full, you know, worker placement type of game, it's ten dollars. Whereas True. Root, which is huge and amazing, and I love it. I think it's twenty. Um, and then some of those war games that have come out recently have been like twenty five. So there was something that was thirty last year, and I was like, "You got to be kidding me!" So, anyways, five six bucks for a game like this can't go wrong. Nice. All right, so I want to talk about an odd little game. I don't know if I can give it a full review because way back when, I don't know, I'll, I'll let Anthony search this date out, but I'm going to show on the screen right now, uh, Clash of Decks. It's a starter deck uh, that I backed on Kickstarter, and it was free, except for, for $2 shipping. So this seemed clearly to be a scam. Right, because like, why would this be free and then two dollars shipping? If you know you're getting basically a full deck to be able to play a two-player game with kind of quality cards and a kind of like bridge mentality, like you know, like like almost tower defense kind of situation. So I remember seeing this. I remember reading through this. They had wanted to release the full version of it, and then for reasons that didn't come through. And and again, like I talked more about that on that particular episode. And two bucks seemed to be obviously worth it for this game and also an opportunity to let a, what Kickstarter does best, a new designer get their game out there. This concept was pretty smart because the idea was, in fact, that, you know, they would have an opportunity to get their game out there to the market, people would play it, and then eventually, which in fact, they're calling season two, but uh, this November, they'll be releasing a full Kickstarter um, with six expansions from the, the deck. And you can see here, there is a fairly good number of cards in this in this deck here. And again, it's it's a kind of a cross between, again, like a tower defense, uh, maybe more of like a League of Legends, but also your Hearthstone or uh, your Keyforge, right? So ba- the game is rather basic. You get a hand of nine cards. One of the cards is the fort and... Basically, the idea of the start of the game is you have this protective base in which you're protecting and you have eight other cards in the game. And basically, there are a number of ways to play this game and you can go to the website and read through the rules themselves. But you lay out the two bridges. There are two bridge cards that come in the game and those are also the general information cards. So you can see what the bridge looks like here. And on the other side, they have the general information about some of the effects of the different features here. And again... All, all it is is protecting your particular side throughout the game. So you can play in a number of different ways with anyone who's played any kind of these games before. There's like a pre-constructed deck that it gives you some examples of what kind of decks to kind of put together in advance so that when you actually play, you have the right things that you need. You could draft it. There's quite a big deck here. So you could draft these cards. You can play constructed. Again, a lot of these things are pretty straightforward. Now, like many of these kind of card games, what they do is pretty interesting. And again, this is a San Juan um, Race for the Galaxy situation is your cards is also the amount of mana that you have available. So as you play cards throughout the game, you're you're losing mana. So, and in fact, the card itself will actually tell you what the cost of the particular mana is. So if you look here on the top left, um, or if you listen here on the top left, you'll see that this is a particular number you have to pay and then below, and again, if you're not looking on the screen here, this is very much Hearthstone looking. Like this is almost like legally distinct Hearthstone looking situation. So uh, just to keep that in mind so that you're like, huh, I've seen these before. 
Um, most of these, other than the incantations, like spells that you play in the game, are actually like creatures in the game. And the creatures have an offense and defense. Again, think Hearthstone. And then they have a couple of special features that come into play in the game. Basically, you're trying to knock out the other side's uh, characters in order to attack their base. And there's a number of different special abilities and powers that come into play. So again, I know this is getting a little legally distinct. You have mana. <laughs> you summon creatures to the board. The board, they act, they act as defense. And they also act as assault. There's numbers on the left and right. Again, think Hearthstone. And then basically, as the characters get killed, they come back into your hand. You have more mana. You try to protect your fort throughout the way. And then eventually, you have more mana to be able to scale up to even better creatures throughout the game. So creatures, incantations, spells. There's a whole bunch of special abilities that you have to take a look at before you play your cards. Because some of them will hurt multiple characters. Some of them will be protected from certain damages. You know, so there's a whole bunch of special abilities things. So again, Hearthstone, but tower defense kind of situation. Nonetheless, uh, I mean, it is a full game. And for the sake of a starter deck, I could rate it, you know. I mean, for $0 and $2 shipping, I mean, yeah, it's a buy, right? I mean, how, you know... Again, I don't know if and when this will be available. Their their Kickstarter is certainly coming up. So um, there are a lot of cute characters. I really like the artwork here. Um, the cards are rather small, which is not necessarily the worst thing in the world. But I would like them to be a little bit bigger. But the text is clear. The uh, you know the effects are pretty clear. Um, the monsters are pretty unique. I like it's not your traditional, just like everything is the same thing. And yeah, so for... You know, an introductory kind of, I guess, starting deck situation, Clash of Decks gets a buy. I mean, how does it not? It actually is basically, you know, using Hearthstone and pretty much every mechanic that we know. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I'm going to take a look, a serious look at Season 2. And I'm, I'm actually happy to buy the six expansions that are coming up. And maybe this is my new Keyforge because I don't play Keyforge. Anthony plays Keyforge. So, yeah, check it out. That's cool. Yeah. That's it. My takeaway is good marketing campaign. I know. <laughs> yeah. Cause they shipped like 35,000 of these. And if they can get all of you to back the Kickstarter, they're going to make bank. Yeah. And it comes with a little, like a little advertisement for the Kickstarter. And again, this is really what Kickstarter does best, right? So allowing projects, small projects like this to be possible. Yeah. Um, everything is good about the quality of it. And again, I want more of it. So yeah, I mean, this is what more designers should do. And honestly, this is the antithesis. I, I, I think I'm kind of stating this correctly. Like every other Kickstarter makes you buy everything all at once. And you're killing us. Like not Squid Game's killing us, but like you're kind of killing us. Please stop doing that, right? Like I just want to buy something. I want to buy the core set, whatever the price may be. I just want to buy the core set see if I like it, enjoy it, and then buy the other stuff. Yeah, This was yeah. a little unusual, but this is the, the mindset that people should have because I, 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 I'm happy about this company. And again, even if this was five bucks and I paid five or seven bucks for it, I would still be happy. And again, I don't know what the Kickstarter is going to cost, but I'm looking forward to playing it. I'm looking forward to backing it. If they included all of the sets all at once, honestly, I probably wouldn't back it. 
So they wouldn't yeah. even get whatever it was, my five or two or whatever bucks. But now I'm looking to back the whole thing. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So there you go. So uh, Clash of Decks, definitely something to check out in November. If you have the starter deck, definitely get it to the table. It's a lot of fun to play. And if you don't have it, you know, find someone who does because it's quick and easy. It's a 15-minute game. It's not, not a problem whatsoever. All right, so now on to our feature review this week, Anthony, which is if you like Squid Games or Squid Game, try these other games. So again, I don't want to go into spoilers, so I won't. But Squid Games is a game that's mostly kind of somewhat about player elimination. And that is all I will say, right? That's all we're saying, right? Did did we check with the lawyers on that? I think think the trailer covers that. Yeah, we're good. Okay. (laughs) Cool. All right. And not about PlayStation characters with the triangle, square, and circle, right? That's definitely I not swear, what's I happening. kept thinking it was a video game thing coming in there. And, <laughs> so and it's because Squid Game, we don't know what that is because we're American, right? Like, if you're Korean, you're like, yeah, Squid Game, of course. Uh, <laughs> sidebar, like, tangent here, but I read an article earlier today that was what our Squid Game would be. It was, like, all these different countries. Oh, no. And, like... <laughs> what like the game that all the kids played and then i was trying to think like what would our squid game be like because some uh-huh. of the stuff in squid game i'm like i don't know like as american kids what do we play on the playground well remember it's very generational right so the, the games right. come yeah, from yeah. like an older generation they weren't like current games that kids would play because mm. games yeah, so like kids I was, don't... yeah i was thinking like four square or something or like tetherball um i used to play games like um I guess you used to play running bases. Did you, did you ever play running bases where like there was a group of people in between and then like there was two, two throwers on each end and they would throw the, try to tag people out as they ran back and forth between the oh, bases, yeah, yeah, almost yeah. like, like a chase down, um, kick the can, kick the bottle yes. kind of thing. Yeah. Used to play that. We used to play uh, manhunt. Like you have two teams of tag where you had like a bunch of kids versus another bunch of kids and there would be like a base freeze tag i guess was a thing freeze tag yeah tag any um, kind of tag honestly any kind of tag i did i mean as a kid i think we did play red light green light i think that was definitely something we played i'm trying to think of what else i mean obviously there was a lot of cooperative games i think there's a lot of hand games where you like you know like bubblegum bubblegum in a dish or whatever is quackadilioso or things like that i mean obviously jump rope I don't Jump know if rope, that's a yeah. thing or hula hoops was a thing. Um, obviously, wiffle ball. I don't know. You play like, you know, like things that you could play in the street with kids, right? Like yeah, that yeah, kind yeah. of idea where it's definitely um, hopscotch, right? Hopscotch, yes. Get some chalk. If you ever watch, if you're a big Deep Space Nine fan, like a big one, all I have to say is Al Moraine. And, and I don't need to say anything else to you, but like literally there's an episode of Deep Space Nine where it's all about them playing like these kid games. So it's basically Squid Games before Squid Games came out. That being said, like, yeah, I mean, it's very culturally kind of, you know, relevant to, I guess, now these days more than ever that like that kind of like, you know, nostalgia for like the old days when we were kids and we really played games together. I mean, obviously we still continue to do that, but for the rest of society, it's almost like unusual to kind of go back to their childhood and kind of like recapture that kind of playful youth and engagement that they once had, that they kind of lost their way. So I guess if there's any unofficial and definitely not related to squid games is the idea that like, Hey, play games, right? Like 
really right. continue <laughs> to engage in that kind of fun environment with friends in kind of, you know, activities that are like nurturing and supportive and, and just like tremendously fun. So yes, but also player elimination because we're adults and therefore we must be competitive and just take out our friends and family for some strange reason. But I don't know. Turns out, Anthony, and I don't know if you know this because you're a big Euro game player, but there are in fact player elimination games that eliminate players as you go throughout the game. So you get to sit down at the table with your rival or your arch nemesis, whoever (laughs) he, she, or they may be, and then you get to knock them out. So we got a good list of player elimination games that will make your opponents really, really twisted and not necessarily dead, but at the same time, that kind of level of strife and and just uh, you know utter dismay from the situation. So a lot of these games are player elimination games. A lot of these games are King of the Hill games where you want to be the last person standing. And again, that might have some relation to Squid Games, but we will not say. So Anthony, with that being said, Squid Games, player elimination, King of the Hill, you know, really challenging each other in that kind of situation. Why don't you talk about our first game up and uh, all the fun elimination that can be had? Yes. Yeah. So the first game we put on the list was Twilight Imperium 4, which uh-huh. absolutely you know why? has. Why is that? Because the, because the first three were eliminated. Oh, it's the last one standing. Ah. I yeah, I know. You're smart. <laughs> um, <laughs> so a couple of reasons on this one. There is player elimination, although it's a relatively rare. Um, because in a game mm-hmm. this long, it would be painful to get eliminated, like an hour three of an eight-hour game. Just painful. So <laughs> it's not impossible, but it's l- less likely, because actually fighting each other is not something you necessarily do unless it serves your goals. But the game itself is built around a King of the Hill mechanic, right? It is. You're all trying to get to uh, Rex at the middle of the board, and you score points there. And then you're all trying to get to a certain point by the end of the game before anybody else does. But just that middle spot of the board where if you can stay there for a full round, you score a point. Those points are very hard to get. <laughs> like So it is uh, that alone kind of makes it just like this big epic King of the Hill thing. And there's always player in the six player game. There's at least two or three people who will do that for most of the game. They will fight over that. And every time mm-hmm. I've played, I've been adjacent or close to it, and it's always gone wrong. It never works. <laughs> I'm never the guy on the hill. Uh, so, yeah, Twilight Imperium 4, multiple reasons. Elimination, King of the Hill, epic gameplay. You're going to hate each other at some point. Hopefully not for too long. The game is very fun, but it does happen. <laughs> yeah, and again, it's one of those games where you do have ships, and there is shooting, and then there is territorial control, and there is quasi cooperative relationships for like five minutes before you nuke the other player so yeah a lot of backstabbing a lot of twisted nature of the game and again like you said anthony definitely the king of the hill stuff is huge because that middle part of the board is sweet so you don't have to get there first but you just want to be the last person standing all right so i want to talk about a whole collection of games that you probably have played at some point and honestly again without spoilers like This really does fit really well with Squid Games, which is the entire collection. And again, these are a lot of variations on the same theme. Clank. Clank, 
you know, all of the different deck building adventures, whether it's, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, whether it's space, whether it's it's sunken treasures or mummies or things like that. The idea is that you're all trying to get, once again, the final goal. So you're trying to get all of this really great treasure. But as you all progress during the game to get to the final destination, your movement is causing, let's say, situations to occur that is actually going to be dangerous literally for everybody else at the same time. So step quietly and gently as you move across the path so that you can get the best treasure possible and get to the final goal. Because if you are able to do that, everything else is going to be bad for everyone else. And that actually does have a lot of player elimination. And that could honestly be the way that you straight up play the game, which is like, hey, I'm going to cause havoc so I knock everyone out. So even if that player is way ahead of me, they're going to deal with all that havoc and I just kind of swoop in at the end. So Clank, whatever version, make a lot of noise for the game and obviously knock out literally all the other players because that's the game. (laughs) That's how you play it, yeah. It is. Um, All right, King of Tokyo, King of New York, King of... monsters (laughs) either of these games same kind of a basic idea you are a kaiju a monster a a giant gingerbread man whatever you might be Mm -hmm. and you are trying to be the last one standing in tokyo or new york um there is a point scoring mechanism in these games you can win with points but nobody likes that it's not fun you want to punch each other until you're the only one left (laughs) uh and what makes it unique of course is that you have to be well, you don't have to be, but you will be in Tokyo or you will be outside of mm-hmm. Tokyo. Like you want to be the king of Tokyo. Like the name of the yeah. game is right there. So, uh, you know, you're going to be rolling dice. You're going to be trying to get the Yahtzee mechanic to go your way so you can do those hits. You can get your power ups and kind of build up your special abilities. But at the end of the day, punchy, punchy. Don't <laughs> score points. It's, it's a cheap way out. Don't do it. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah, no, absolutely. King of the Hill, like literally King of the Hill. Uh, yeah. Risk Risk Legacy or Risk 2210, the idea of playing Risk is, of course, even if you play the vanilla basic version of Risk, it is the, in some ways, quintessential kind of like player elimination game. You have to knock out the other players and you have to take over the map. And that has always been a lot of fun for me. Like that was kind of like my core board game in like college before getting into like serious hobby games the legacy mechanic takes it to another level if you've not played risk legacy i really highly recommend you should if you felt like risk was too long i highly recommend playing risk legacy (laughs) if you like stuff that's a little unusual and creating more of like asymmetrical players and powers and abilities and honestly there are super plot twists there's like as many plot twists in risk legacy as there is in squid games and again, I really want to spoil the all for you, but I will not play Risk Legacy. Any level of risk enjoyment will just like go to the next level. Uh, there is a lot of that kind of player elimination, but you get to play it multiple times. So if you like the mini game kind of format of, you know, let's say popular Korean TV shows, this might work really well for you. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Especially the newer versions of Risk. I, I played Risk when I was a kid. I would never play it now. It takes 15 hours. Oh my god. But <laughs> when you can shorten it down and play it in three hours, I'm all for it. 
Uh, all right, next up for on my end is Junk Art. So completely different type of game. Uh, this one is a game in which you stack various different types of pieces. And it feels very squid gamey. I feel like you could do squid game with junk art, right? I think so. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Like stack this up if something falls. Uh-oh. Um, so the thing about junk art is there are 10 different games in the box, right? There's the basic version of the game where you're just trying to stack your stuff as high as you can and be the last one standing, right? Once all your stuff is out. But there's different variants of that. There could be, there's a player elimination variant where you're just trying to, you keep going until nobody's knocked their stuff over. So kind of like a Rhino Hero take. Um, there are versions of it where only one person loses the game, right? Where you just wait for the first person's thing to collapse. There are other versions where you're giving other people the pieces that they're going to have to place on their, on their uh, whatever, contraption. The key to junk art is that it's just a box full of pieces that has <laughs> all these different mini games associated with it that you could play in a variety of different ways. And you can play this game if you are three years old or a hundred years old. Like I've been playing this game with my kids since they had the dexterity to play it. Uh, and it's, it really just covers the gamut and can be brutally difficult if you want it to be. So junk art's a, a very good representation of just mean games that can hurt your feelings if you're not careful. <laughs> well, I know that we all knew it would come to this. A Game of Thrones the board mm. game. So if there's ever a game about backstabbing uh, temporary alliances and King of the Hill, it's certainly going to be a Game of Thrones. So, of course, if you're familiar with the books, the TV show, or just the general references of it, the idea here is that you are trying to rule Westeros and you're doing so by utilizing, you know, different kind of like player strategies in order to gain resources, make temporary alliances, whether they're known or unknown, and then press your advantage when you can. And by doing so, you're going to eliminate other players. So just at the start of the game, it's like this very uneasy kind of negotiation kind of game. And you're bluffing throughout the way. But really, it comes down to an area majority control game uh there's a lot of auction in the game but really again what it comes down to is like ally with someone until it does not become helpful to you and then just blow them out in the game and really again it's about taking over the kingdom in a number of different ways obviously trying to control the seven kingdoms so game of thrones the board game not a terribly big surprise backstabbing king literally king <laughs> of the of the iron throne all right so a much smaller version of kind of the same thing uh coup coup is a social deduction game um, one of the social deduction games and it's in the resistance universe there's a lot of different takes and spins and re-implementations of this game but specifically coup you are trying to be the last person standing right so everybody's going to have their face down character cards and you can steal money from each other. You can assassinate each other. You can block assassination attempts of each other. Uh, you can block people stealing from you. You can draw new character cards and mess with your court. All these different things that are happening. But at the end of the game, you want to be the last player with influence left in front of you. Right? So uh, it's got the hidden role elements of any good uh, social deduction game. It's got player elimination because you can run out of stuff to do. <laughs> <laughs> and it's got a very strong take that element where you can end up very unhappy with each other. 
The benefit of it, though, against a game like Game of Thrones is that this takes 15 minutes and it costs $7. So <laughs> you don't have to spend 60 bucks and spend five hours screaming at each other if you don't want to. So there you go. Cool. Speaking of screaming at each other, Diplomacy <laughs> is our next game. Now, again, if you've never played Diplomacy, that, that means you probably still have friends. If you play Diplomacy, you probably don't have any friends because Diplomacy is literally the game that will just like honestly like end friendships because the whole game is very long, very involved, very complex. So you are investing so much about you into that game. And basically it comes down to trying to knock everyone else off this European continent by making alliances that you will inevitably, if not immediately, you know, backstab, betray, cheat, lie, steal, and move your forces into blow out their country. So diplomacy, you know, we talk about monopoly from time to time as like it ends, you know, friendships and family. No, 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 you have not played diplomacy. You put your orders in on a given turn in order to move your military units. And then all of a sudden your friend who swears their allegiance alliance with you through the game notices that all your artillery is just moving slowly, slowly closer their way until it's too late. And again, there, there goes the European dream of, you know, owning everything. So again, great game ends friendships. Don't recommend playing it with anyone no. you continue to like, because the whole game is a lot of just that, you know, in your face, you know, long dragged out kind of like you lied to me. I lied to you like three hours ago and six <laughs> hours ago and eight hours ago, 12 hours ago. Uh, unfortunately or fortunately that's diplomacy. All right. Diplomacy. Let's play diplomacy, Chris. <laughs> and that was the end of the podcast. People, we never came back to it. What happened? Diplomacy. That's why. Oh no. Uh, so uh, the next one on the list is shadow hunters or fangs. As you discussed very I know. last week, I believe. Uh, so, version. <laughs> exactly. So the, I know. Don't really need to rehash all the rules here. Go l listen to last week's episode. Fangs is out. You should check it out. It's cheap and it's it's a great game. Fantastic. And cheap. Yeah. Um, and cheap. But you have multiple factions here and you don't know which faction you're on. So you're trying to figure that out. And then once you do, or maybe before you do, because you just feel like hitting people, you start eliminating each other, knocking each other's point hit points down until people are knocked out of the game. Uh, it's it's just the most clever, interesting take on this bluffing, you know, <laughs> resistance style game. Uh, for me, mm -hmm. I, I like it. It's not. It doesn't feel like a party game. It feels like more like a board game with actual things to figure out. But at the end of the day, you got to figure out who you're with. You got to figure out what you're trying to accomplish, and you have to hope other people don't figure it out before <laughs> your own teammates do. So, uh, Shadowhunters, Fangs now available. Uh, check it out. It is definitely in line uh, for that kind of last man or last group standing type of game. Nice. Uh, I guess you have, if you're going to end a player elimination game, you have to go out in a bang. Ah, pun intended. <laughs> Cash and Guns, second edition. Uh, Cash and Guns has been around for a long time. And basically Cash and Guns is all about you holding a foam gun at your opponents at the table and then revealing if you got a bang card in there or if it's a blank in order to be able to uh, take the most valuable resources on the board. So again, it's a little weird when you see it in play, but in fact, here yeah. are these black <laughs> foam guns. 
that you're pointing at each other in order to be able to get these resources. You can dodge, but you're going to be taking wounds along the way. And you can get eliminated in the game itself. So I recommend the second edition because of John Kovalec's artwork. That's a lot more cartoony. So it feels a lot less um, antagonistic, so to speak. Whereas, yeah. you, you know, you're already po- pointing guns in people's faces. And I think the original version were like straight out, like solid black. Like it looked like an actual gun. Like they went out of their way. Yeah. Like, so like at least the new version's a little more kind of tame to that fact. But yes, Cash and Guns, you could pick up many versions of it. Go with the second edition. Uh, there's, there's a number of different expansions, of course, that you could check out. But if you're looking to eliminate players at the table, Cash and Guns is the way to go. And uh, don't forget, the S's in Cash and Guns are actually dollar signs because yeah. that's a thing that, I don't know, it's very 90s. I don't know what to say about that. But nonetheless, uh, Cash and Guns. So again, if you have not seen Squid Games yet, you should definitely still play these games because they're awesome. And the player elimination is not real player elimination. Although it kind of gets close from time to time. But if you have seen Squid Games and you want to get people to play games at the table that reminds them of their childhood, but has that kind of edge to them with player elimination, uh, we highly recommend all these different games. They're all different levels, all different complexities. There's certainly something for you to get to the table and have a lot of fun. Just drop it on the table and go, you know Squid Games? And they're like, yes. And you're like, cool, this is like Squid Games. And you're like, ah! And then after they run away and eventually come back, then you could, you know, show them that it's actually foam <laughs> guns and not real guns. But uh, yeah, 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 it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. So it's all good. All right, everyone. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the next upcoming Squid Games. Squid Games. See ya. <laughs>